0: Welcome to the Inventory Nation Podcast, a show designed to bring you the incredible voices and stories of veterinary professionals coast to coast, all while helping you to manage and control your inventory. I'm your host, Nicole Klaassen, coach, advisor, and champion for veterinary teams and their inventory. Joining you live from the mountains of Montana, welcome to the show. Hello, welcome back to the Inventory Nation podcast. As always, I'm so excited that you're here. In this episode, I'm super stoked about it because we are diving in to a very hot topic in inventory management, and that is cost of goods sold and the challenges that come with understanding and reducing your cost of goods sold. I think that's probably one of the questions I get asked most is what is included in cost of goods. There's a lot of miscommunication, misinformation out there, and then so once we kind of Figure out okay what is cost of goods. Then actually, how do we reduce our inventory costs? Because if you've been uh, if you're a new listener, or you've been listening for a while. I'm sure that you know how much of an impact high cost of goods has on your practice. So, with that being said, I am so honored to introduce you today's guest, my dear, very dear friend, Drew Bartholomew. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Nicole. It is so good to be here with you. Uh, Avid listener, first time guest.
0: Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> so, Drew is the chief operating officer at VET Accelerator. VET Accelerator offers turnkey business solutions to practice owners so they can focus on medicine and get support for managing their practices. Drew was formerly chief of staff for U.S. Bank Asset Management and a graduate of the Wharton School with an MBA in finance. Welcome.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. So I always ask him this question on the, you know, uh, whenever we have a guest. So how did you get started in vet med? Tell us your story. What kind of led to that?
1: Oh, it's great. So you read my background. I have did not come from vet med and uh, vet med is something I'm very happy I found. Um, so when I went to business school, I ended up talking to some classmates. Some of them were veterinarians and others were were actually on the uh, maybe the product creation side of veterinary. And one of them mm-hmm. went on to go start his new company uh, that actually does uh, wellness prescription diets for, for canines. Uh, it's called Breed Science. And his name's Trey. Really good guy. But when I was talking to him and other people, I was like, okay, well, I would love to do something more entrepreneurial. And I got connected to this guy named Rivers Morrell. And he was looking for someone to join a small upstart company that was really going to help veterinarians take control of their practice as owners and build more support networks around them so that they can do a better job and focus on the medicine. And he wanted someone to come in and work on, you know, I'm just going to say it like be the finance guy. And I happen to be a finance guy. I happen to really love in my, my former careers building products that make things simpler for people to understand and use. And after talking to him and, and Tim, the CEO, um, it was such a great opportunity to really grow a business and, and support people that I think work pretty dang hard. Yeah.
0: That's so awesome. Um, I know it's so interesting, right? We have like this very hardworking, ingenuity, creative profession as, you know, in Vet Med, but there's just not a lot of training on how to be business owners, how to run a practice, how to do all the, you know, the intricacies of, you know, inventory and cost of goods and finance and all that stuff. So
1: I think it's so great. And there's really good people like you out there uh, that, that specialize in a, in a very particular segment of it all, and you're an expert in it. And then there's maybe someone that's out there that does really good work on PIMS, and they understand exactly how a PIMS works. But there's not, it doesn't seem to be at least someone that works across all of the verticals, and, and we hope to do more of that work.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. So, to give us a little bit of context, tell us um, kind of about Vetcelerator, and um, also tell us how Easy Vet um, is different than a consolidator or a private
1: practice. Right. So, to start with, with Vetcelerator, think of that as the the group of people that actually get together and do finance and HR and marketing and. And, and inventory management and, and helping out with accounting and payroll and all that. The services we want to bring to veterinarians. Um, it's different than a corporate consolidator or an aggregator because we have no interest in owning the clinic. We want the veterinarian to own the clinic. We just want to empower them to do a great job with it and have them feel like they're part of a bigger thing. Um, it's mm-hmm. oftentimes the case that that the veterinarian or maybe even the practice manager feels like uh, they're an army of one. Um, yeah. we we don't want that we want to bring our group of clinics to them the people we work with bring them together form that community and and give them the business support they need uh, easy vet is actually a very interesting thing where we help veterinarians that want to open their own practice we provide them with a concept of what a single vet operated practice could look like so it's a limited service model focused on wellness care and uh, occupies a small storefront so we try to keep the costs Relatively low, and the startup cost relatively low because this is a single vet practice. And we try to make things more affordable for the pet parent uh, as a trade off. Um, and so we're occupying the space of maybe first opinion care or uh, general wellness care with referrals out to a surgery center so that a single vet doesn't have the worry of like um, the dreaded scenario of, oh, I have two surgeries scheduled for that day. I'm banking my entire day's revenue on that. And then you get a no show and a cancellation. And you're like, yeah. well, what do I do now? So EasyVet is a uh, vet accelerator services, Easy Vet clinics. So these are a group of veterinarians that wanted to start their own brand under the Easy Vet franchise, and you know we work with all of the Easy Vet clinics as well.
0: Sure. That totally makes sense. Um, so when you kind of first came on as the finance guy, um, so I'm sure part of your goal was to not only decrease your inventory costs, but be able to calculate them accurately. Tell me about that. Like where, what challenges were you up against and kind of like, what was your perspective on that?
1: Yeah, and, and for those that are listening, uh, I think the podcast you did like one or two ago where you start deconstructing, or maybe maybe last month where you start deconstructing COGS, cost of goods, is a good primer for this because it tells you what is of cost of goods sold and, and all that. Uh, I would definitely listen to that. What I saw uh, in my first glance of joining uh, VetCelerator and working with these, these doctor-owned practices is that their income statement, their profit and loss statement didn't really tell you what their cost of goods was. And they don't know what the value of the inventory is. And neither does their accountant because their accountant doesn't work in the clinic either. They're just reading the invoices as they come through and trying to manage it as best they can. And so one of the biggest challenges to actually managing the cost of goods from my perspective was, well, what is it? Like, what number are we managing to? It it almost feels like um, we're, we're trying to lower a number that we actually have no understanding of what it is. And, yes. and that makes it very difficult. And, and if you're a practice manager, you just say, okay, go lower that thing. You're like, well, what, what is it? Um, I think that's the, that was the biggest struggle that I saw. And, and so to use more of a, a technical term, most of the statements that are in a veterinary clinic, maybe appropriately, maybe not, are on the cash basis of accounting, which means very simply, you recognize something when you spend money on it. And so if you pay your your MWI bill, your Zoetis bill, or your Merck bill, or you name it, you're gonna say on your that's a cost and it's gonna go on your cost of goods. And that's fine, except when you want to understand if you're doing a good job, because your revenue, like when a customer pays for something, is probably going to come in and let's say they bought, they bought a, a vaccine, you're gonna recognize you know $25 of revenue for that, but you're not gonna actually see the cost associated with it. Until next month, when you pay the bill, mm-hmm. so how do you know if you're if you have a problem or not with your cost of goods when you're looking at your revenues in one period and then you don't know if your costs are being managed until the next one and so that's the that's the main problem that we actually want to try to solve is to say how easily can we actually understand what the cost of goods are by matching it to the revenue so that we can make more um, i guess more instant decisions about what we need to do next,
0: yeah. Yeah, I've really you know to kind of like echo that. I've seen a lot of like really mis mismatched, um, you know, cost of goods where it's like either they are and the definitions can be so different, right? Because some of people are looking at like cost of sales and then like cost of goods, and so like these definitions can be like totally all over the place. And then so then you're like, oh, I'm not even actually sure what this is supposed to look like. Then it just I feel like it asks more questions than it answers sometimes.
1: Yeah, definitely. And then. The most simple question is like, how much inventory do you have? And I might be able to tell you that once a year in yeah. a in a current veterinary practice uh, income statement and balance sheet. And I find out the number because in January they counted. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that to me, you know, from my perspective is so like... There's, you're missing out on so much information when you're only looking at that number once a year. Because like for me, looking at the value of inventory on hand is so, is a gold, right? Cause you can see like, are we overstocked? We have a ton of this on hand. Like it just gives you so much information and in data that, you know, you might nor- not uh, normally get. And so, you know, being able to review that number a lot more frequently is going to be so beneficial. Not only from an inventory perspective, but from a financial perspective as well.
1: Yeah, and then finally, maybe I would add that it helps us look at um, ratios. So, yes, you want to know. You want to know. Um, am I pricing something accurately? Because we've talked about this all the time, me and you together, and I think you've mentioned it on all your different writings and podcasts. But your cost of goods problem might be a pricing problem. Yes, and 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 that might be the first place we look. But in order to make that decision pretty quickly, we look at ratios. So what is the ratio of how much revenue a, a pharmaceutical product brings in into how much it costs? And if we can just look at that ratio very quickly with, with up-to-date accounting, we can say, oh, that number looks a little low. Uh, let's take a deeper dive into your pharmaceutical pricing, for example.
0: Yes, And so I love looking at the ratios because it's like, okay, am I generating the revenue that I would expect based upon what I know my markups to be? If you're not, that's like, then I'm like, okay, do we have theft? Do we have other shrinkage? Do we have a lot of mischarges? Like there's so many things that you can kind of like start to to like go into if you have accurate reporting and reports. And I know sometimes when people are like, oh, accounting or accurate reports, like wah, 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 wah. But <laughs> it just makes me so excited because of like the information that you can gain from it. Um, you know, and all the time people are like, oh, do I have theft? And I'm like, well, you know, if you're not counting, you don't know the value of your inventory on hand, you're not looking at your expense to income or expense to income ratios. It's going to be really hard to tell unless you catch somebody on camera.
1: Totally. Yeah. And you have to review a lot of tape to do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so how, tell me about kind of like what it looks like now and kind of like how you are working towards solving the problem of like, what is cost of goods? What does that look like? And how do we reduce it?
1: Well, there's 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 like three problems all wrapped up in one that you have to solve if you want to really approach this one. And and the first, unfortunately, starts with your practice management software. You know, you need to yeah. get reliable data out of it. And so we've spent a lot of time evaluating different practice management solutions in the industry. And we think there's, there's um, a couple that do it really well um, that can help us actually get those data out there into a format that we need to use. The second problem you're going to have is you need to take that data and then do something with it. You need to manipulate it into a way that that helps us um, uh, uh, turn in the cost of goods calculation. And the third is you need to uh, actually put the work together with your accounting team or bookkeeping team to, to put it on your financial statements. And so if I can go back and just talk about that for a second, the practice management software is um, we've used and have most success with is Rhapsody. They've standardized their code base. They've put it all on the AHA chart of accounts. So now we have, I think you've talked about AHA chart of accounts. That's a great way to think about your clinic. You're going to be able to diagnose your revenue categories and your cost categories, and you're going to be able to match them up together. And the good Mm -hmm. people at AHA did all the work for us, so we don't have to come up with our own chart of accounts. Rhapsody puts all their data on the chart of accounts, which is super helpful. So that means that we can actually extract that and put it into a usable system. There's a problem, though, because you know this as well as anyone. When you do a procedure, there's not an inventory item associated with most times. So you're going to say, okay, I'm going to do a vaccine. I want to do a rabies vaccination. That's not an inventory item. You're not selling them a vaccine. You're selling them a procedure. You're selling them service, the service of administering a vaccination or maybe some dewormer. And so how do you account for that? How do you say, well, what's the cost of that procedure? Well, you're not going to actually have um, a syringe. You're not going to put that on your cost, but it's certainly a cost. And so we have to actually do a lot of work on our end of saying, well, what does every procedure end up costing the clinic based on what we know about them? So we put all that work together and we say, okay, based on everything we know, what's in the practice management software? If they order these things, here's the costs associated with them, and we do that mapping exercise. Then once we do that mapping exercise, we have to go and pass it on to a accounting partner, which we found one that we really like uh, that helps put it all together for us, so that we can come back to our clinics and say. Here is something we believe will actually tell you what revenue you created and how much it cost you to create that revenue. And one other thing I might um, I might add is just this idea of uh, tracking inventory versus tracking cost of goods. And so in that second stage, let's just say that you went and purchased a box of vaccines, or uh, and and you you what do you do with that? Well, on the cash accounting system, like we talked about, you're going to take that to your income statement. You're going to say that was a expense but I don't want you to do that. Instead, what I want you to do is take that and put it on your balance sheet as inventory. So then you always know exactly how much inventory you have. And then every time you use a vial, I'm gonna say your inventory goes down and your cost of goods goes up. And so one-to-one, instead of saying, we're gonna go and say, we're gonna buy a thing of vaccines and that's gonna be a cost of good. We're not gonna recognize that cost of good until you actually use or perform the procedure. And that's going to be the best way for us to finalize that mapping exercise. So again, in the three steps, it's, does your practice manager actually help you understand what you're doing and map it accordingly? Can you actually develop a system where we know we're we're taking at the procedure at the item level and we're matching it to the revenue? And then third, can we bundle it all together with a bookkeeper and accounting partner to make it into a usable format for us?
0: Yeah. So that way you're almost looking, you can almost, if you wanted to get very granular to see like, okay, even on any given day, what was my, you know, what were my costs on that day, rather than just kind of like looking at the end of the month to be like, oh, what did we spend? Um, Yeah. Makes so much sense.
1: The joke that you told me, I think was like, uh, uh, your cost of goods could technically be infinity. If you, if you don't pay your MWI bill for a month, but you use the entire order during that month, then your cost of goods is zero and your revenue is there. So it's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful problem, (laughs) right? You're like, my cost of goods is infinity.
0: I, know, right. I would just love that cost of goods. Um <laughs> <laughs> So when you are kind of like mapping these, are you strictly including inventory items or because I know that some people will actually factor in labor costs into this. Now, if you're looking at the AHA chart of accounts, they very clearly like have it separated. So when you are like considering like the cost of administering vaccines, do you include the labor costs? Or are you strictly looking at inventory, consumables, hospital supplies? costs.
1: Yeah, thanks. So we we take labor out of it, because in the clinic, you can kind of manage only two things. Like it's so hard to manage more than two things. Anyway, one of them is cost of goods. The other one is labor. If you put them together, you're gonna have a hard time managing either. And so really, what we're trying to say is, what does this procedure cost you? And then how much do your employees cost you? And we try to keep those to their own benchmarks. That way, we can know what we're trying to manage at any given day.
0: Yeah, because I feel like <laughs> managing those two separately is hard enough. But then when you totally. like combine the two, it just muddies the water. And it just becomes so much
1: harder. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and again, you're right, because AHA is very clear that it says, well, what's your practice manager compensation? What's your non DVM compensation? And what's your DVM compensation? Those are all going to be line items that we're going to track separately. We have some solutions in place for that. But yeah, for the purposes of, of managing cost of goods, to try to assign you know, actually, where we would take into account labor, which I'm sure you do as well, is to say, well, what should a procedure uh, be charged? How much should we yes. charge a customer for a procedure? Now, yes. that's going to be different. That's a totally different conversation than cost of goods. That's a, pr- that's a conversation on are you pricing your procedures and your time appropriately? which is mm-hmm. not necessarily a cost of goods issue. It's more of a are you pricing appropriately based on what we know about your time and your labor.
0: Yes. Yeah, because that's actually, I was actually going to go into the next great minds think like, Um, because that's how, you know, when you think about pricing services, it's like, okay, I feel like a lot of times historically, it's kind of been like, oh, how do you price this one thing? And it's like, I don't know, what do you think we should do? Or, you know, it's not really like based in data. But when you look at like your unique overhead costs, your unique labor costs, and then you kind of like understand those on that really kind of like granular level, you can use those Cost to then inform how much you're going to price your services, depending on how long it takes you. Because if you're, you know, depending it, like if your rent and facility costs are like super high in comparison to another practice, you're going to want to have different pricing structure to make sure that you're breaking even. Um, so you're not just like, you know, kind of like winging it basically.
1: Yeah. And if you want to say to, a uh, uh, if, if if we're doing a review with one of our Clinicians and and they say, um, are my prices high or low? I say, well, it depends. Um, yeah, you know. And and if you want to say, how do I how do I make my clinic more affordable? The answer might be, well, how fa- how long does does it take you to perform this this procedure? And could you perform it five minutes faster? Because if you can, yeah. then you can actually lower the price of it. If you can't, yeah. <sighs> then you might be uncompetitive. Totally.
0: And could you utilize your credentialed team members to do some of that procedure and let doctors do doctor things and let your technicians and your credentialed techs do their job? So it's like, you know, like making sure that we are utilizing our team members to the best of their capabilities is also really going to help.
1: Hardest part of the job is to, um, I I don't practice medicine. I admire admire those that do, and I don't want to tell them ever how to, but, uh, I try to use the accounting to, to help tell that story a little bit. And I, that's a really big point. Like, can your text do more? Can you leverage your text more? It's a team-based environment here. Totally. Absolutely.
0: Um, so it sounds like you're really doing like a lot to answer a lot of these questions. So then how, um, are you kind of like using this data and this information then to lower your cost of goods and your cogs?
1: Yeah. Um, so there's this old, there's this old story. It's, it's, it's really old now, but there's this idea of the four minute mile. And for years, no one could break the four minute mile until one day some guy did. And he he ran a mile under four minutes. And then 36 days later, someone broke his record. And you think to yourself, you're like, how did that happen? What's possible about that? Well, it's not the human body got better in 36 days. It's that the awareness of what was possible got better. And then 36 mm-hmm. days later, someone beat it. And so the main thing that I want to do, more than anything, is just to give the transparency that is possible. And so yes. luckily, we have, the, we have the good fortune of working with you know, 20, uh, 30 clinics that all subscribe to this philosophy. And they're OK with sharing their data with each other. And so we actually send out daily, weekly, and monthly reports to our network. And we say, here's how everyone's doing. And some people are doing incredibly well. And that tells us that it's possible. And I think that's, yes. that's really helpful if you're sitting there scratching your head over high cost of goods to know that, listen, someone else was also doing that at one point in time and they've solved the problem. So, so can you. Yeah. Uh, the second piece is, is that actual direct intervention. So if, if I go and I, I show you your financial statements and I say, here's your cost of goods and here's your ratios, then we can start being more prescriptive. So. We should look at maybe some shrinkage or some theft like you spoke about. We should maybe look at some pricing. We should make sure you do an audit in your practice manager because maybe you didn't update your cost information from your last uh, uh, Vetcove order or whatever you might be using. And, and it allows us to really get more specific and tailored in our advice. Otherwise, we're just going to... Uh, so, so every time I meet with a clinician and I try to do it every three months for a review, it, it's it's five things, four things that we end up taking away from the meeting based on what we looked at to go and look at and then end or change. And our team helps them do that and, and does a lot of the like work for them.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's so helpful because, you know, with that, it's like you are bringing data the t- to the table. And at the same time, you're letting the clinicians and the, the provider teams focus on doing what they love and kind of taking care of all the, you know, because I always say like, you know, spreadsheets are like my love language, but they're certainly not everyone, so it's like how can we make sure that everyone is happy and singing out the same shitty music
1: i get, yeah I get so I get so excited about it and it's it's kind of embarrassing <laughs> um, but I, I feel like I'm in a safe space on this podcast the yes. The one item that that I think that we could all do a better job at apart from just knowing what the cost of goods are is is how are we actually going about the ordering process. I see that one as something that gets broken down quite a bit. And um, I always want to try to do better there. And so for us, it's, are we checking the pricing? Are we checking the vendor contracts? Are we checking to make sure the information in there is accurate? Are we looking for shrinkage and all that stuff? And at the end of the day, it's, it's, are we ordering things in a process or are we shaking Mm -hmm. bottles? Yeah,
0: no shaking bottles.
1: No shaking bottles. (laughs) (laughs)
0: although I will say like you know after years and years of doing it you just kind of like know your reorder points in your brain a little bit and you're like okay but I don't
1: advocate that I'm just saying sometimes it could happen if you're really experienced (laughs) and that's okay I'm not gonna fight you on that either but do you have it written written down somewhere just in case just in case because someone else is gonna need to order that sometime
0: Totally. You need a win the lottery policy. If somebody wins the lottery, if you win the lottery, if like you're on vacation, the last thing you want to do is get a text. It's like, oh yeah, uh, we're out of this. How do I order? What do I do? I'm panicking. So it has to be written down. We need our SOPs.
1: I I love that you call it the win the lottery policy because um, you could have taken that to a very dark place and instead you took it to the positive. <laughs> so thumbs th- 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 <laughs> up to you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could really easily go the other way. <laughs> so um, where can we learn more about you? Where, we can, where can we learn more about VetCelerator? Where can we learn more about cost of goods? Tell us the scoop.
1: Yeah, well, um, look me up on, on LinkedIn or on the internet, of course, uh, Drew Bartholomew, and you're going to have me in the show notes. Uh, feel free to get in contact with mm-hmm. me at any time. I'd love to hear from, from the listeners of the program, number one. Uh, number two, VetCelerator. Uh, you can always go to the website and learn more about our team because as much as it feels good to be on the podcast as an individual, I'm literally nothing without the great people that we work with that are there to help support clinics day in, day out. And so please go and take a look at us on VetCelerator
0: yeah and um for everyone who's listening, I'll have all of the links in the show notes. so um definitely check that out if you have any questions. um Drew is awesome and so knowledgeable and such a great resource. So thank you so much for being on the show. It was such a pleasure. I really enjoyed having you. I uh, always great to talk to you, Nicole. Yes, thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inventory Nation podcast and spending your time with me. I know your time is valuable and in short supply, so it truly is an honor. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe or leave a review. Be sure to visit vetlogic.co slash podcast to access the show notes and discover additional links and resources. See you next time.